Hi, hello, and welcome to In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and proletarian revolution. I actually have an interesting point to make on that that second, uh, that latter uh, proletarian revolution, uh, but we will get to that in a little bit here. How's everybody doing? Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. I am Josh, your host. I use she, her pronouns. Make sure to get that right. And I am very happy to have folks, you know, hopefully listening to the program. Uh, I recently heard from a comrade, uh, Cornfield Commissar was the, the name uh, that was... Uh, pretty nice to hear uh that you know someone was happy to hear my voice back in the podcast is what they said that was really really sweet and it it really warmed my heart so appreciate that others if you would like please <clears throat> feel free to reach out uh you can get a hold of me at in defense of liberation at gmail.com without any caps or spaces or special characters You can also find me on social media. I am most active on Instagram at this point, so you can find me there in defense of liberation. I also have Twitter, Red Star Bitch 420. Um, And I also have a website, which is, you know, a little lackluster, uh, which I hope to improve upon. But folks can please check out uh, any and all of those and get a hold of me wherever is most, I guess, best for you. And the uh, website, I should say, is in defense, or excuse me, just defenseofliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. Um, anywho, yeah, so it is good to be here, I suppose. It's Monday morning, 7 o'clock. We're on our way to work, and this is our morning commute. For folks who haven't tuned in before, the morning commute is a little bit more laid-back, casual, open-ended discussion, just kind of, you know, chopping it up about things that are on my head, and, you know, it might not follow a strict format, and uh, it might not necessarily be the most rounded out points, but that's because it really, more than anything, is to open up a, a, you know, a conversation, a discussion, and so I uh, would more than anything look forward to hearing from you folks, uh, your own thoughts on these things as I present what's on my mind. Anyways, today I was thinking about, you know, um, I have quite a few episodes on some of the same topics and I have some cool interviews coming up so I don't really want to (coughs) excuse me I don't really want to jam pack or repeat episodes back to back to back just for the sake of putting out content But at the same time, you know, to be honest with you, it really is helpful for me to be able to talk about these things and be able to, you know, express them outwardly and, like, actually verbalize them so as to hear them and try to reflect upon them as they're, like, 
you know, being developed in my brain, um, which might not be the most, uh, I don't know, might not be the best way to do it, um, because I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again publicly, but I think that's kind of like a light form of accountability, in that, like, you know, folks can see that I'm just, like, anyone else, I'm just a, a worker, I'm just trying to fucking make ends meet, and, you know, learn about the world around me, but the majority of my time, I'm spending, like, at work, so, if I don't have the full, you know, analysis, or every bit of information on a topic, I really, you know, can't and shouldn't be faulted for that, but, you know, it's cool to be able to go back and listen to things and be like, oh, like, I, I've learned from this, and I've grown, and my perspective is different, um, yeah, so, on that note, uh, I figured we could talk about, um, you know, kind of some of the confusion about the character of the world that we're in, right, I want to talk a little bit about consumerism and liberalism, but I also want to just talk about, like, interpersonal relationships and kind of, you know, how those things are, as far as I'm concerned, like, having, like, real quality relationships with people where you recognize that, you know, even if you agree on a lot of things even if you have similar personalities, or even if you spend a lot of your time together, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the best of friends. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to hate each other either. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, for example, in an organizing space, if you all feel you have a general agreement upon a certain end goal, that doesn't mean getting to that end goal therein just becomes like clockwork, like very easy. Um, just as a, you know, again, kind of open conversation about organizing and some of the confusion that we still see, even among like the more active and and militant forms or forces of, you know, what we might generally call the left. But before I get to any of that, I want to talk about why any of this even matters. So I have a lot of friends who... I don't have a lot of friends. I have a certain amount of friends, and a lot of them um, are interested in the topics, you know, that I discuss. They (coughs) will come to me with questions about, you know, uh, workplace issues. We can talk about relationship stuff. Um, I seem to be someone that, at least in my friend group, folks feel comfortable expressing these things to, right? I'm very grateful for that because, you know, I like knowing that, A, I get to, like, be of help to anyone in those moments, because I really hate when someone's dealing with something, um, and, like, you know, you you don't have the right thing to say, or there's, like, legitimately you have nothing, like, nothing that you can do, um, to change the situation, and yet, you know, here you are, right there with the person dealing with it, so what do you do? 
I know we've all been in kind of that awkward spot. And one of the things that we've been in my friend group, you know, kind of discussing a lot lately is loneliness, is the fact that none of us really feel like our lives have, like, inherent meaning. Um, The majority of us are struggling, of course, to make ends meet, to feel valued in our very alienating jobs um, and also to feel connected to our friend groups which you know in a lot of cases are the small bits of community and of family and of love that a lot of us get to experience because for whatever you know reason that might uh reflect your own situation a lot of us don't have very strong family ties a lot of us can't spend enough time with our neighbors or in our community to build strong relationships Um, we transition from schools to jobs to careers pretty frequently and even in these places we don't dedicate a whole lot of time to really getting to know one another and you know I could spend the whole episode and longer talking about maybe why that is but I want to talk about what you know in my experience trying to you know take Mao's combat liberalism to heart and to be like a communist or like a a revolutionary as best as I can be in my relationships, in my conversation with people, in my conversation about people. Um, At my job, I work at a community college, there is a very strong, like, air of professionalism. Now, professionalism, as it stands is a white supremacist idea because the entire intentionality behind the concept of professionalism is to take human beings who all come from different walks of life, different areas on the globe, who have different culture, different style, different hair. That's a big one, especially in offices. Of course, we know black folks, Africans, are constantly chastised for their natural hair. And professionalism was a tool of assimilation, is a tool of assimilation, to take oppressed cultures and turn them into a very particular type of persona, especially at their workplace. So that shit is really strong at my job. Like, it's very clear that things like joking around, um, you know, openly criticizing the leadership or uh, the structure at large is not accepted. Things like comfortable clothing. I mean, I deliver mail, okay? So all I legitimately do is I go to the mail room. The mail is sorted in totes for each building and each office. And then I have to take those totes, go to those buildings, and all I have to do is knock on the door of the office or unlock it if there's nobody in there, 
drop the mail off, and fucking leave. That's all I do, okay? At the end of the day, I deliver student packages. They got me wearing a Carhartt button-down long-sleeve collared shirt with slacks like working slacks like I'm gonna go to the shop and work on my Jetta slacks and steel toe water resistant boots (laughs) now if that isn't very much a tool of cultivating a certain type of personality, a certain type of image of a blue-collar worker versus a white-collar worker who would have to wear dress clothes. This, of course, shows the difference between, but also the connections in which the different types of careers and different types of jobs are meant to be and often are tools of assimilation. Um, anyways, so in my interpersonal react- or relations at that job, I find that on average, the majority of people there don't really want to talk to me. Um, they also don't want to really talk to anyone. They seem to have developed the majority of them who've been there for maybe longer than a couple of years uh, inherent connection to their desk and their computer you will have people in offices directly next to each other emailing each other instead of getting up and going over and talking to one another um, now I know with COVID and everything like that we definitely want to be as cautious as is possible but This is not at all the reason why they don't talk to each other because none of them wear masks. We are not collecting data on COVID positive cases anymore. There is literally no effort on the entire college campus to contain COVID outbreaks. There are no rules that require you to report that you even have COVID. So, (coughs) yeah makes this cough and this sickness I've had for like a month make sense, huh? Anyways, um, so you also will have people who will give me mail and I'll look at it and it'll be the office like right across the hall, which means that they're expecting that that piece of mail will go all the way back to the mail office, the mail room, three hours, sit there, get passed back out later that afternoon, rather than just handing it to the person across the hall. So there's one example. The other example is that the majority of these people at this job do not know how to converse like a normal human being. Now, they do know how to converse like a robot, like the majority of us do, which is the quips, the one-liners, the, you know, live in the dream, live in La Vida Loca, oh, it's Monday, oh, it's Friday, as responses to how are you doing. 
None of us can actually have a genuine conversation, a human conversation with another person. We exist through, uh, whether it's references to uh, cultural, you know, topics, media, the weather, uh, again, quips, jokes, one-liners. That's interactions, usually. Uh, I've worked retail and food service for the majority of my jobs, and that is exactly how I interacted with people and how everyone in those spaces interacted with one another. It's really sad because, you know, what are we even doing? Why are we, you know what, you might as well just groan at me. Just moan, groan, sigh, and like, I don't know, growl in my general direction rather than asking me, you know, how the weather is. Or, um, and this will be my final example on this point, you'll have people who will ask me, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Now, I'm not a bullshitter. I really get in trouble a lot for being way too honest with people. Um, so I will tell people if I'm having a bad day, why I'm having a bad day. I don't give a fuck. What are they going to do? Fire me? Um, but I've gotten called down to my office, to my director, and being ch- been chastised for being too negative, for making disparaging comments, for saying that my job is stupid, which it is, um, and other shit like that. So now... I can't even honestly answer the question when people ask me, how are you doing? I have to give them some bullshit line or just say what I've started saying recently, which is you don't want the answer to that question because they don't. They don't fucking care. Nobody, nobody fucking cares. So yeah, this like issue with interpersonal relationships has always been something that bothered me because I'm like autistic and I have, uh, you know, socialization problems growing up very isolated in an evangelical household, um, with a family that never took me to get examined to see if I was autistic and never believed that I was autistic when I went to do it myself. Um, so yeah, uh, you have a reality where the majority of us don't really get genuine socialization. We don't get actual interpersonal relationships. And now, you know, things are so much worse for kids that are growing up because you have the pandemic, which of course offset, um, understandably so, I mean, uh, two to three years of these kids' development. Um, (coughs) You also have the fact that, you know, parents and children don't want to get sick. So they, at the beginning, at the very least, took a little bit more caution in bringing their children around people, which led to, of course, less socialization. Now, this is not me being a conservative and saying, we should have just gone to school. That's just, that's just what happens. I mean, you were in a pandemic. It, there's really... There's no good way out. You ha- you kind of just have to struggle, um, which sucks. But, you know, there's children in uh, Korea and in Vietnam who, rather than having three years of isolation, got, you know, five to ten years of 
bombing runs and saw their entire nation destroyed and got, you know, birthing defects that are still affecting people to these this day. So, you know, maybe having to stay home and having advanced forms of technology and tablets and Wi-Fi and the ability to still get some semblance of an education isn't the worst thing in the world. But it did change the way in which human beings socialized for a period of time and still, I feel, will continue forever to change the way in which we interact and socialize. Things will never go back to the way they were in 2019. And that's not a bad thing. But you have people who also, you know, are very strict with their children. Again, I grew up in a very evangelical household. I wasn't allowed to go over to my friends' houses. I wasn't able to go to birthday parties or anything like that for kids that were in my school. I wasn't able to really interact with anyone outside of the youth group that I was in and outside of the church or the homeschool kids that went to the church. So because of that, I developed pretty slowly, as did basically every other kid in that school. Um, or in the youth group, I should say. And now, you know, being 24 and, you know, also living a weird dual existence by going to public school. I missed the, the homeschool bus, thankfully. Um, I went to public school all, you know, preschool through 12th grade up to my associate's degree. Growing up in that like world, like having zero socialization, but then also going to public school, fucked me up so much. So now, like interpersonal relationships are really important to me because I need to know where I stand with every single person that I interact with, whether that's good or bad, because that just helps me to know whether when they're saying something it's a joke or if they're actually trying to make fun of me or say something against me, whether someone is miserable or upset. I like being able to, you know, tell when people are in need of something. You know, it's not always something that folks are going to express to you. So it's nice when I get to know a person that I can kind of tell because I'm so, like, honed in on their behaviors, their mannerisms, their tone of voice, their facial features, um, or facial movements, I should say, um, that I can tell as soon as I, you know, interact with someone, you're a little off what's going on, you know? And it's nice to be able to be there for people, you know? I've gone to therapy for five to six years. I feel that some of the shit that I've used, I should, you know, not just keep it in my head, could talk to other people about it, not as a therapist, but simply just share what, you know, coping mechanisms or examples I've had. Anywho, all of this to say that these things really play a big role in my life and in all of our lives. I mean, how often do we feel so lonely And so, like, we have nobody in our life. Like, which is almost never true for the majority of us. Unfortunately, there are people who legitimately have no one in their life who cares about them. And that's awful. And this is kind of my point, is that we as human beings, by our very nature, right? And this is not to get spiritualistic, but this is to say that we've always 
required one another. We've always had this necessity for relationships, for interconnectivity, for the sake of survival. You couldn't have had human civilization to this point without globalization, without interconnection. You had these things before capitalism, before imperialism. The capitalistic and imperialist versions of these simply prove the point that no one country or no one people can unilaterally live without the rest of the world. No matter how much the United States or Europe or whatever nation uh, may try, it is impossible. And on that point, you know, we as human beings tend to self-isolate, especially given the environment and circumstances we live in today, rather than seeking out the, uh, you know, relationships that we would otherwise probably benefit from, because we don't really have a whole lot of examples or a whole lot of, uh, you know, positive influences in our day-to-day life, in our society, to say that we should care for and be cared about by other people. The majority of our lives is competition, whether it's in school, at work, with uh, your family, your siblings, right? It's always a competition. And now, not only is it always a competition, but because it's always a competition, there are tools like racism, like misogyny, like sexism, like xenophobia and transphobia, Islamophobia, but also imperialism and super exploitation and imprisonment and police brutality and the colonial policing of colonized populations, oppression and repression of different nations, ethnicities, etc. All of this is a tool to fuel that competition, to make us hate one another. And not only do we just like simply not like each other, right? Like oh, so-and-so is a fucking asshole, and so, you know, I'm not going to be friends with them. That's different than what I'm saying. My point is that you will have entire people groups who will be segregated to a certain portion of existence by another entire people group against the better logic of human survival and necessity and history simply based on tools like, again, racism that lead to a historic uh, white supremacist rule which bases its initial origin out of the period of slavery. There was no like formalized, official, like strong and consolidated white power complex or white supremacy ideology prior to the existence of African enslavement and the uh, continued colonization of the non-white populations of the world. The material reality, as the uh, Black Liberation Army's collected works uh, put out by Rookery Press teaches us, the material reality comes before the ideology. 
because, you know, think of uh, an example of a chair. You might be able to say that prior to the invention of or the creation of a particular chair, there was a conceptualization, a drawing up, and an idealization of that before it came into material existence. However, as again, the collected works by the Black Liberation Army points out, if you were to really think about the idea of sitting versus of a chair, you would have to draw it back probably all the way to prehistoric times, to indigenous cultures, what we might hear common, like, you know, quote unquote, caveman times. Um, when, you know, one or a few people for the first time were seen sitting down on rocks, probably, on boulders, maybe on tree stumps or, uh, you know, on a mound of grass. And then eventually someone said, gee, I really like this, this whole sitting thing. But what if we made it more comfortable? And therein came the repetition of practice, theory, practice again, theory again. You had to have the actual practice of sitting prior to the idea or the theory of a chair. And then you would have to practice sitting in that chair before you come to recognize that, oh, maybe it would be nice to have an armrest or, oh, Maybe it would feel nice to have a, uh, you know, cushion or a headrest. That stuff comes with, like, actually sitting on a fucking chair and then going, oh, this isn't comfortable. You can't just idealize something like that. So in that sense, racism, right, had to come after the actual material exploitation of Africans. And racism against non-white people, white supremacy, couldn't be conceptualized or consolidated or, you know, really passed on to other generations, to other areas without the material degradation of black people being a constant and therein requiring a logic and a justification for why that was. And of course, we've all heard the many different ideas that the racists, the imperialists, the colonists, the Europeans came up with, still come up with. Of course, I'm sure, unfortunately, many of us are privy to the ideas about uh, black folks, indigenous peoples, uh, Latinos and others today um, from the reactionaries in our lives. And so we know that these ideas don't, you know, come out of nowhere. They don't just manifest into the brains of the people who repeat them. They come from a material reality which existed and then had to be justified and had to be further advanced and evolved to be able to stay in place, stay in power. And that took 
a real strong cohesive effort to cultivate this idea of whiteness but also this idea of non-whiteness um and then to batter this into the brains of the masses around the world, European and non-European, so that the Europeans internalize the supremacy and the non-Europeans internalize the inferiority. Therein reproducing and conserving the system at large. And this exists everywhere. It's not just in conversation. It's not just random ideas. It's structures, like professionalism, like we were talking about, or like prisons, um, segregation, Jim Crow, slavery. These were all active tools of exploitation that eventually, once it was a worldwide system, simply went on to continue things as they were. So... Of course, all of these things that we're talking about are going to have reverberations in interpersonal relationships. There's a good likelihood that you're going to have white people who are very fucking racist because they've been taught their whole life that white people are supreme, you know, supreme to other populations, that the Europeans and North Americans uh, colonize the world and control the world, not because they're you know, determined by an economic interest or by imperialism and militarism, but because they just can do that because they're, you know, better suited to not be workers, but instead to be bosses and be in charge rather than be laborers. There's also the idea that, you know, non-white populations are very close to the, uh, what would we even want to call it? the more natural state of human existence in I think it was Reagan's words back in the 80s I think he said like literally out loud that Africans on the continent I think specifically in Angola he was referencing had only quote come out of the jungle a couple decades prior so that's the ideology that you get And that's the system that you get after transatlantic slavery, the unpaid and enslaved labor of African and non-white populations becoming a systematized effort. Rather than just some idea or just some concept, racism is a tool in establishing the capitalist and imperialist anchor all over the world because it becomes a tool in Africa itself it becomes a tool in Asia itself it becomes a tool in Latin America itself and there are European populations in all these places there are also populations that are meant to be made quote mixed in order to I don't even really know how I would want to say it. Not like alleviate tensions, but more than anything to further foment different tensions between the, you know, what we might call, quote, black populations and the, quote, mixed populations. This process took place in Haiti, in 
Guyana, in Jamaica, in basically every nation that was touched by uh, slavery, which is most, if not all, of them. And now these ideas are used to make us hate each other. Again, most people don't really hate each other. They think they do. They think they have reasons to hate each other or not like each other or whatever. But these reasons very rarely come from a basis of, like, actual experience or, uh, you know, a generalizable concept that could hold up. But in fact, just our stigmatized ideas about people that usually don't even come from the brains of the people who are repeating them. So in that sense, like, you know, it is, it is difficult to figure out how to fight something like this. But what I'm coming to understand, what I think more people need to come to understand is that, especially as white people, we don't really need to pretend or think that we're going to have a deciding factor in this struggle. It will, of course, be the oppressed peoples, as it always is, who will free themselves. And because of that, we have to figure out how to understand these situations, these complex situations. Not based on what we're told. Not based on, you know, what our media presents. But based on actual facts, on the actual experiences that we have. And in order to do that, we actually have to interact with others. Which I know is a big point of contention for folks. <laughs> but as far as organizing goes, right? These things don't go away. These complexions, these questions, these difficulties, this racism, the sexism, the misogyny, the uh, sexual abuse, the forms of manipulation. These symptoms of capitalism, imperialism still exist within organizing spaces, unfortunately. And we have to recognize that because we can't think just because we're a communist or someone else is a communist or an anarchist or a socialist or whatever that they're inherently a good person. Because unfortunately, by assuming that, we put ourselves and others in danger. And we actually have to analyze the character of the people that we're interacting with. And by saying that, I don't mean judge them. I mean, don't put a woman around a fucking creep, right? And don't pretend that your homie isn't a creep when everybody knows it. Don't, you know, tell someone who's African that they have to focus on socialist revolution when Africans around the world aren't free, right? Like, let, let's get a little understanding here before I close out. My point is that interpersonal relationships are one of the most important parts of organizing. And in order to have strong, deep connections and interpersonal relations that lead to real militant organizing, movement building, and actual change, we have to study and we have to learn and we have to talk to one another and we have to be able to grow and we have to accept when we're wrong and we have to accept when we're internally racist or transphobic or Islamophobic because we've been taught this our whole life and we have to fight against it. We can't sit there and pretend, oh, no, 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 not me, I'm a socialist. Yeah, well, that doesn't really fucking matter. 
because you still might be homophobic. And you won't know until you're put in a situation where you have to deal with these feelings and these emotions. And what really makes or breaks, uh, in my opinion, you know, a real revolutionary is do they revolutionize their ideas? Do they break from the old society and build a new even in their own mind? Not everybody does, even those who call themselves socialists and communists. Anyways, folks, I hope you have a lovely day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let me know what you think. And I am looking forward to speaking to you again. Peace, love, and socialism as always.